Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. We have with us today Austin-based writer Karan Spearman to talk about Proposition G. It is one of eight items on the May ballot, May 1st ballot this Saturday. Um, and it's one that the firm's been looking at. We think it's uh, been overshadowed a bit by Proposition B, which is the Homelessness Ordinance, and Proposition F, which is the Strong Mayor Ordinance, but has extreme importance, um, regardless if Prop F particularly, particularly does not pass, as it creates a new council district in Austin. Currently, there are 10 council districts, along with the mayor, who is elected at large. Prop G would create an 11th council district. And, and all I should add, already in a system where, or during a time when the Austin, the current Austin districts are being redrawn by a citizen uh, appointed panel. With that, I want to welcome Karan to the show. And uh, Karan, I know you've been looking at this this last week for the firm. We're going to have your piece out tomorrow, uh, April 30th. Uh, but lo- we'd love to just get your, your, t- your take on this on Prop G. And particularly Prop G, we know Prop F and where that's going. But maybe you start with that, how, how the two are intertwined. Well, they were kind of, um, I'm trying to remember the pack, but they were merged. They were actually supposed to be kind of joined at the hip. Um, yeah. That was the, that was the hope. Uh, of the group uh, press uh, putting it forward. Um, you know, their idea was to, well, we know that we want to uh, kind of, our, our our emphasis is going to be on the move over to the strong mayor um, city government. And then with that, what we knew, what they knew, I think their thinking was, well, you know, we're gonna, that means that person's gonna be out of the voter pool He's going to be have this new veto power. That's going to be a separate deal. No city manager. Everything below that will be gone. But now we'll have ten members, and which would create potential gridlock. Mm-hmm. Even number of council for those who serve on any kind of board, nonprofit right. or otherwise. Typically, you strive to have as soon as possible an odd number, just to the hope is inherently, or, or the hope is would it allows for when in those split vote situations you know, someone hopefully to be the, uh, the odd, the outside vote or the winning right. vote. And so then when you put, they, then they, they put um, proposition G sort of as um, in a weird way, it's little brother, even though it's, it's to me, it's as equal. Yeah. And Karan, uh, let me, let me add too for those who just, yeah, I think, cause you're right. Prop how intertwined prop F and GR prop F when, if, if it goes through and creates a strong mayor, it would remove the Austin mayor from the council dais right. and make them make that office, uh, that position, a full executive office. It would fall. It would come into the place that our city, our current city manager's office and their assistant city managers occupy, making the mayor the true executive of the city. I think you know, obviously, just from what I've seen this last year, um, uh, from different issues before council. The general body of Austinites believe you already believe that the our the mayor's office was quote unquote strong, but it's not the case. The mayor is one of eleven. The mayor, for practical reasons, the terms the mayor is one of eleven votes. They are the only citywide elected official, but they are one of eleven votes. And I think there is there are soft powers. There are, there are powers that the mayor has by virtue of position in terms of you know getting on the news those kind of things. But the office itself is not naturally, is not imbued with strong powers the way it would be uh, if Prop F were to pass. And I, I, I want to impress them upon that point. I want, I, that's something that people need to sort of 
run around in their head a little bit. Um, the city manager, the city manager runs the city. Mm-hmm. People need to really, you know, I know that, you know, how it looks, but, you know, uh, Spencer Crunk runs the city um, for all intents and purposes. So mm-hmm. the, the, the changeover into the strong mayor uh, via uh, Proposition F, I mean, that is, that is nothing, that is significant. That is going to significantly change how things are run, how things are seen, how Austin is seen, how you know, people view the office. Um, it'll change the, um, the, the, obviously the scope of the position, of course, um, but it'll also change the city politics on, you know, altogether. It'll be mm-hmm. an entirely different situation. What? I don't think that people truly understand that. And, I, and so to that point, I want to say that I, I kind of wish, and I, I wrote it in, it's in the piece and in the piece last week, I feel like such a significant decision should have had a, a much wider sort of, should have been put forth in such a, in a wider turnout where effectively we're going to have a, a small amount of people. Um, I, there were some numbers that were, that were put out this morning, but it's, it's a relatively small amount of voters that are going to make a significant change for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say too, I mean, you know, just in general outside of, and even in November election years, right. When less there's something, less is, less is the outlier being a presidential ticket. Right. Right. Turnouts aren't that high. Right. Right. They aren't. I mean, and so what was funny because I mean, I remember several years ago, when 10 one came, came around, a part of it too was moving council elections to November to get more people to vote for because it was always in May. Right. And I know there's another, there's another item on, on the, on the ballot this month, this Saturday that would move the mayor's election to presidential years for those same reasons. But I think, I mean, you know, you and I have spoken about this several times um, and I've talked with several colleagues too. I mean, I always felt this election outside of prop B was going to be more for all the rest of the items was going to be more of an insider's race because probably at least from what I've seen anecdotally online and in distant conversations was the one that struck the chord with the general public sure. such that, it, you know, the general voting public. And even then how many of those folks are going to go vote, but for the rest of them, including prop G right. And F it, I think it's purely an insider's game. Right. And that being insiders being folks like myself or lobbyists, journalists and folks who are really, who are watching this stuff and think about this stuff, whether they, it, it involves their daily business or First, not. No question. And your point, it was interesting too. I, I was on, a, I, I, I moderated a ULI panel earlier this week that we're, we went through and talked about the propositions and um, in the Q and A, you know, one of the things I, I brought up there was, you know, it's, so you have this, you have the, the, it's the politics within the politics. So now if Prop F and Prop, let's say Prop F and G were to pass, you have 11 members of council we have a strong mayor off the dais. The there's, you know, it's, it's a strong mayor in and of itself is not going to be a panacea for, for any one or one problem. If anyone thinks that they're they're they should, they're mistaken. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's always, you know, depending on who that, that person who wins that mayoral office is has a lot to do with it, but also how that mayor is going to be able to interact and get business done with that council. Because ultimately what we don't want is to create a congressional gridlock deal where you have a council that's, that, that is at odds with the mayor. Some of, sort of like what we're seeing in Dallas right now, but that mayor is not strong. 
Right. We do see it. I've seen, I've, I've talked to colleagues in the, in, in the Bay Area and San Francisco and their board, their board of supervisors is definitely at odds with their mayor. Um, and that is a strong mayor city. And the, but the, the board, which is their council, has a super majority and they consistently overrule the mayor who relative, relatively speaking is more business friendly as it goes from San Francisco, San Francisco. Sure. But the dynamics of can we get things done or is it going to create more gridlock? And I'm sure there are people in Austin who would welcome that less, less of everything. Absolutely. Whether it's development or wherever, wherever you pick, take your pick, right. There's a different single different things, but the reality is I think whether we have 10 or 11, if prop G were to pass, it's, it, it ultimately comes down to, well, even, I mean, how the council and that strong mayor interact, but pulling back, let's say prop F doesn't pass and we, we get prop G and we have, now we have 12, uh, we have a, a 12 member dais. Right. 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 And, and so now you're, you're, you're putting yourself in, in another sort of unusual quandary Be, from a few, from a few standpoints. And I'll just, you know, name a couple. Um, first, we don't actually know how the districts are going to be drawn quite yet. Mm -hmm. So that's going to affect just from that standpoint alone, that's going to change a lot of things if it were to pass alone, if G were to pass alone. Um, it, it, to some, some people see that as well, they'll be a little bit closer to the ground. They'll be easier, they'll be more accessible because they'll be dealing with less, you know, smaller slices, right, for now. But I would say to that, I would say that um, yes, um, but also I think with the population influx, it, it really is going to be about how the slices are cut. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. To me, that's the beginning and end of it, how the slices are going to be cut. If they're going to be cut along lines, there are going to be, you know, somebody is going to, some of the population is going to be uneven and some, there's going to be a lot of, I, I can already feel the contentiousness mm -hmm. in the redistricting already, already, if it were to, if G were to pass, I can already feel it. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, they tried to, I'm trying to remember this was, this was. These maps are drawn for 10-1. So 10-1, 10-1 itself, our current, for those who aren't aware, our current system of government, this 10-1 system is uh, roughly six years old. It was passed yeah. by, it was approved by voters in 2014. And the first election was in 20, 2016. And along those lines, uh, we they drew these council districts. But prior to that, the council, I think it was a six person, a, a six person council, including right. the mayor, and it, they were all at large. There was no need to, to draw districts. And so at that time, you know, this was, it was a new thing for Austin. They attempted to, or they did draw, in practice, they drew, or in theory, they drew three Hispanic opportunity districts, which bore out. We had three Hispanics, like the council in that first iteration. And then we had, we, they drew one black opportunity district, which uh, district was district one. And yeah, we had a, uh, or Houston elected then. Um, and, but you're right. I think it's how those lines are drawn now, you know, based on the, you know, Austin's population has not stopped growing in that, in the last six year span, where the development's going, I mean, you know, particularly look at district one, right. And the demographics to that were already shifting six years. I mean, they've been shifting consistently, you know, since the two thousands, if not earlier. Right. Right. So where, you know, I'm really curious, you know, if regardless of if prop G passes, how, if we're if how much opportunity districts can exist 
particularly, and just to be you know frank, right, when you know the black population in the city in the, in the city proper is it's decreasing. I think I've, I've read it, sta- it stabilized some, but it, for a long time we were for a significant amount of time we we're the only major city whose black population was decreasing. Right. We're so this that's going to be the the for for me it's going to be one of the main questions. It won't, it's not the main question, but it's one of them. Um, the other part of it too, and again, I guess you, I got you, I'm glad you said that if, whether it passes or not, um, it depends on where we develop, right? It depends on where, what we've, what areas we've chosen to develop, we're going to develop. So obviously district one, this is a high opportunity area that we want the city of Austin wants people to populate. They're, they're pushing them down that way. Now let's put that district aside. So what other districts could there be, you know, is there a lot of potential for development, you know, in, in the next, in the coming years? That's what we need to look at. I think. It's all east to me, up, man. I mean, like right. in terms of a major development, I mean, it's already said now we have D, uh, District 3, already have District 3. You got, you know, Tesla's plant out there or, you know, right. the colonies out, or colony parks out there. And they're all stacked together, right? So mm-hmm. the, these, 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 these districts are stacked fairly close to each other and that's not you know they had the ones that are on the west side there's going to be what they are and but you have these ones that are people are going to see those as high opportunity areas for significant change that is already underway mm-hmm. so seven too man i mean you just think about that you have i mean the, the domain is a footprint but also the q2 your austin fc's q2 arena everything around there right. well they're significant i forget sometimes how much development is going on i mean even as the demands can continue to grow there's still ample room like north northwest sorry northeast of that to grow but pretty so much it all, tra- it all tracks east though it tracks east right so now you're but now you're tracking yes it tracks east there is a some a little bit around like the north like mopac area but so you're you 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 kind of scale it out you move out five ten years from now um who are going to be these people? Who are going to populate these areas? Where are they going to be from? What are the popular? What are the, the politics of these people that are coming here? Um, so all these things that we're going to have like an, a weird explode. I think I, I foresee some significant changes in voting style, voting uh, sensibilities, political sensibilities, because these are we're talking about new residents that are going to have tremendous impact on how districts are sort of recategorized going forward, whether or not Prop G passes or not. I, I just, I sport, I have, I'm going to say it like this. I have a few friends that are in a few different industries where they can see, literally see the influx of these people coming in. Mm-hmm. So, and they tell me all the time, Quran, right? I don't think you understand. It's going to be different. There's going to be, in fact, there's a mutual friend of ours that I won't name, but there's a mutual friend of ours but he can see what, okay, this, we're going to have an entirely different sort of Austin. And it's not going to be like 10 years from now. It's going to be like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people really understand how grand the changes are fixing to be and, and what the, even the pandemic itself has done just in this last year in terms of likely for, you know, forever changing the dynamics of the voter dynamics in, in the city. So like what, I'm, just I'm interested. What um, just what predictions could predictions? But what do you think could happen? 
Their prediction, I guess, is a good word, better word for it. I think it's going to be bluer. I think the county will be blue. I mean, it's already a blue county. It's yeah. Blue How much blue could it get? I mean, bluer. I, I mean, well, here's the thing, though. There, you have, there's degrees of blue, right? Like, even more so. Even well, more I mean, so. what, but what, in what lane of blue, I guess, right? Is it? Because our council right now, but you know, outside of District Six, our council right now is all are all Democrats. Even though the, you know, the council elections are, are nonpartisan. How about Kassar Blue? You think so? Yeah, I think there'll be more of that. But also, I think there'll be you know, and I think that's a fear. I think that partly the reason why there the certain groups, you know, don't want somebody like there's a fear. He's the boogeyman. Like they don't want to see him mm-hmm. in office for various reasons that we don't have time to cover right now. But I think also the areas outside, if you look at the voting um, in, I I live in Williamson County now. I'm a recent, you know, Williamson County area um, resident. But if you look at their voting, it's getting bluer. So now it's not just blue this last uh, cycle too. Right, right. Right, so now we're, <clears throat> we've changed so now it's not it used to be Williamson County was like you know people of my people that look like me didn't drive out there because it was like us like us right they look like us right you know now that I live yeah. out there but I see it's you can see it now you can literally see the differences now so now you're going to have the areas around Austin it's already happened in Williamson County already in tra- so I think that you're going to see this kind of bluish sort of haze start to kind of circle around Austin in larger and stratified in different areas and stuff like that. So, so more I, like further, further, further on the progressive or stronger, stronger, like full progressiveness. I mean, what do you think on the business front though, too? I mean, the I mean, this city and the, the benefit of Austin is it's kind of like San Francisco where it was just, it's such a, a hot market, right? Like it wasn't like, and I think relatively speaking, I think some people would have a pain about that, but the city itself hasn't, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily that it's, it's not unfriendly to business the way I think the Bay Area is, right? By and large, I mean, there's, I think there's people, you know, the thing that always people, people wrote to me is the Uber and Lyft thing. And that was five, six years ago, right? Or five years ago. Um, they don't, there's not a lot. I mean, most, it's pretty good to do business here. Very. Right. There's not a lot of hurdles. I mean, people, I mean, you know, have their views on, you know, I think on how, what easy should be, but relative to, I think some of our, well, at least, you know, the Bay area, which we always compare to, like, it's, it's pretty easy to do business here. You know, we didn't have a lot of snafus with, you know, um, with scooter share and everything else It's kind of, yeah. you know, we didn't have a cap on it. I mean, most, you know, when I look, when I'm looking at, you know, different, you know, potential clients outside of outside of market the tech space i mean there's no issues comparatively in austin they might have in other cities that i've seen agree agree i, I think that 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 will not regardless of the political i think there are certain groups that that, that believe the political um situations is going to affect the the business part of austin i just i don't see that and, and i see that you can see that People are coming here regardless. Like people are going to come to Austin. That's 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 already done. That train is already moving. It's moving very fast, and it's just going to be a lot of people um, coming here to do business. Um, you know, as somebody who's as a as a journalist, it's it's going to be sort of interesting to sort of like 
document these these changes, I, you wonder how it's going to uh, to affect the, the the iniquities and the inequalities that go on in the city. You you wonder how that's going to. And we talked about District One and how that's going to change where Black people will be situated. Um, yeah, like Pflugerville, like it's interesting, right? Pflugerville is like twenty percent Black now. Right. <laughs> Which was because I, I grew up in Austin, man. Like, you know, I grew up, I, we moved here, my family moved here in 91. I was like, I was eight. Like, I remember Williamson County in general, but Pflugerville, I mean, just, they weren't, it was, it, it weren't places where you associated with, with black. And not at all. You know, when I heard that statistic, and I, I mean, I don't go up, I don't go to Williamson County that often for anything, let alone those cities. So when I went up there a few weeks ago to pick up something and, you could, I could see it, right? You really just see, you know, I was at a, I was at a food park or over a food, you know, tr- food park, yeah, trail park, Riverdale, and you just, I just saw more black. I mean, I saw more black families there, like just in a, in a random setting than I do in Austin on a daily basis, unless I'm visiting my right. parents, right? And so, and this is observation. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's just these are trends in terms of look at what you know, where's the where are black voters at the black where because that would probably you know indicate to, to a degree where where the black you know, voter power base is in terms of who will be elected from black community as such right. as it is so I, I you know we'll see how that goes um i know there are a lot of black people who are moving here i think that's part of the stabilization of- that's an interesting thing man because this last year you know i've had in that note in it's as much you know there's more focus i think and rightly so on the amount of black black population shifting outside of austin right. but when you look you know i'm but on the whole, you broke it down. You broke it down by socioeconomic blocks, if you will. The folks who were, you know, let's say professional white white collar or upper middle class or above was actually increased. I mean, it's anecdotally, but I had a lot more people reaching out to me. They were moving here for, you know, director level tech jobs. I had friends who were who were introducing to folks who who are you know, brothers and sisters who are from East Coast, West Coast, and finance who because they could work anywhere just needed to, you know high-speed internet we're coming here right. and they're not really pop I me mean, they're not really out and about because they're, they're not really you know it's a more dispersed you know individuals right but this why what kind of had my my contact list to look at it i'm like this is a pretty big group of people who have significant money and don't know where to apply i mean in terms of um significant potential political capital to use and know where to use it yet that's it and i'm glad you brought that up i, I think that's that is going to be that is that'll how how that is sort of situated will foretell what goes on with the black community going forward in Austin mm-hmm. and whether um, I mean it's it's a central spot like right it's you know I talked to it was a you know I talked to I did an interview with Chris Bosch for the Austin Chronicle a while back and he's like it was perfect because. It's equidistant. Obviously, he's kind of an outlier because he's a millionaire basketball player. So he's going to be above even the, the uh, you know, so, you know, as far as financially as the people who are moving here. But nonetheless, I think it applies. You know, it's equidistant between here, you know, East Coast, West Coast. Mm-hmm. So it's a good central spot. Um, and I think that if they, co- you know, kind of come together, as one group, if we all come together as one group, um, there's some potential for for something there. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, as much as about the black population that we talk about in Austin and in general, I think that the still the sleeper 
the sleeper is it's not even the sleeper your sleeping giant is going to be the the the, the hispanic community mm-hmm. most of the people who are moving to texas are hispanic okay it's not not like black not white it's they're hispanic people who are moving to texas and it's a large group of people who are moving to austin and some of these people got have money now they're what 30 how many percent of austin as is it's a very significant block it's a significant block but that block there there the 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 voting the political power has not sort of infused you know together they're from there's all kinds of dynamics involved there well it's a wide community i mean it's not like it's right. not i would say you know the black community relatively is more of a monolith if you will right i mean because even, even with black community it's so african-american primarily right sure. Hispanic, and that's is it's not it's so it's, much it's, it's diaspora it's a lot going on there so yeah. but i think is as soon as they sort of if they somehow decide to sort of come together i mean that's going to there to me that is the community that 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 people need to be looking at going forward for an opportunity um for um future votes i mean i think that's that's going to be the communities especially the people who are money that are coming into austin or into travis county um and looking at them for yeah for just for broad opportunities i Mm -hmm. I think that's that's the community that that, that's going to be critical for anyone so and then going back to the the district and the redistricting um how that gets broken down and and how they decided they decided the, the behavior patterns of politically of these areas, it's, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot. It's going to change a lot. And I, I think that people need to really kind of think about this. Um, I just hope that whoever watches this, like really consider what is going on this weekend. Mm-hmm. Like this is really, really important. Like, I cannot impress upon you all, uh, whoever is watching or listening to this, how important <laughs> this, the, these, these propositions are and this ballot is. Now we'll be talking. We'll be breaking this down. Whatever happens on Saturday, we'll be talking about it next week. Um, have you back on the show, Karan? Thank you for your time. Karan's an awesome race writer and contributor to the Bingham Group uh, content. Thank you for your time. Absolutely.